up, everyone? Welcome to a new episode of the Soul Savvy Podcast. We just, Soul Savvy, released our first 100% custom sneakers, so it's an exciting time. And I'm even more excited to have another footwear designer um, joining us on the podcast. Chris Hill, how are you doing, man? Good. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as as I was looking through your profile and your bio, the first thought that came to mind to me was, damn, that must have been a ton of fun, um, everything you've worked on. But I'll let you introduce yourself first and uh, tell the people a little bit about um, what you do, what you've done, and then we'll, we'll chat about it. All right. Well, my name's Chris Hill. I'm a footwear designer. I've been in the industry for 10 years, um, worked with anybody from athletes, like basketball players, the UFC fighters. Um, movie studios, toy brands, streetwear brands, fashion designers. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, been doing my dream job for a while now, which is, you know, awesome to be able to say that. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's been a good ride. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's start there. Your dream job. How did you get to becoming a footwear designer? I think a lot of people don't see that as a career path. Did you grow up just doodling sneakers and you were like, this is what I want to do? Or did you stumble upon it as you, as you grew older? Um, well, I grew up drawing. My dad was an artist and my mom, um, did more like craft type stuff, more like hands-on stuff. And my dad was the, the artist in the family. Um, nice. so I grew up drawing because of that. Um, and kind of drew through middle school and into high school. Didn't know that sneaker design was a real thing at all. Started drawing shoes just cause I like shoes so much. Um, and kind of just went through school like that and not knowing there was something out there. Went to college, went to community college and um went for graphic design because that's what i was nice. told in high school you needed to do to become a footwear designer which my high school teacher looking yeah. back at it didn't know anything at all yeah. about footwear design she just i think guessed yeah. uh, so i went for graphic design then from there um i went to school and actually during that time i should say i was customizing clothes and sneakers so that kind of helped cool. get me I wouldn't say that helped get me into it but it kind of gave me a little bit of practice on you know designing a little bit um so I was doing that during college the whole time. Then from there, I went to university, University of Northern Iowa, um, and I went there for fashion design. Um, and because that's what I was told at that point was for sneaker design, which also was not true. Um, that was just not for me. I got kicked out of school. Um, my grades were so bad. I did everything except for go to school. So that didn't work out too well, but took a break for some years. It just worked. Uh, then I finally, I don't remember how I figured this out, but I eventually figured out was, you need to go to school for industrial design, for footwear design. Yep. So I was living in Cincinnati at the time um, and figured that out. So I ended up moving to Portland because of the time my girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, really loved Portland. And I knew Nike and Adidas were in Portland. Yep. So I was like, okay, I'll move out there. I'll be closer to the people who do the stuff and maybe I can try to get in somehow. So I came out here to Portland where I'm at now um, and I ended up deciding just to go back to school after I did some research and figured it out. So I went to Art Institute for school. Nice. Uh, yeah, I got my bachelor's of science in industrial design. And um, very soon after I started school, I got an internship um, designing shoes and product. Um, and kind of from there, you know, started to blossom more. And I went from there to Adidas and then Adidas to Reebok. And now I'm doing freelance design um, for Universal Studios. And I'm actually starting a job at uh, an ETW job at Jordan um, this week. Nice. Nice. That's that's awesome. That's a journey. I think for anyone listening who feels like I'm going to figure my shit out in the first go, um, you had 
you know, I don't know if it was your mission, but you had something you really wanted to achieve and you just kept working at it, regardless of that, you might've gotten some bad advice for what programs to take in school. Um, But that's, that's awesome. I'm sure all of it um, helped. I I did, um, I did graphic design in college as well. And I'm, you know, between color theory and all that fun stuff, I'm sure it helped give you a foundation for what you're working on. The graphic design part actually was super helpful, more so than I yeah. would have thought of. Like, I mean, the industrial design part was important too, but the graphic yeah. part really helped me a lot, like with the use of like color. And I mean, I in my job, um, I have to do everything. Like I do color materials, graphics, new uppers, right. new bottoms. So having that ability to do all that is has been a big benefit. Yeah, absolutely. You have a diverse skill set, which is which is perfect. Um, so let's let's talk about that. What is a footwear designer's role and, and job. Um, you mentioned a bunch of companies that, that you worked with and even looking at it here, Sony, Warner Brothers, Kendrick, Jown, Palace, Bape, et cetera, et cetera. When you enter a project or a room, whatever, or a Zoom room the past two years, whatever it might be, what is your role going into that? Um, well, it varies. Uh, so, I mean, it can vary the type of footwear design you are because not everybody's going to design everything. Like there are people who just do color, people who just do graphics, sure. who just do, you know, footwear. So I guess I can speak to like what my role is. Yeah. And then my role, um, and my role varies as well. So like in the past, like there's been times where, so we'll meet with an account or a partner and um you know you kind of get an idea of what they want to do like a streetwear partner has more ideas and tends to be more hands-on and wants to design more so that i might yeah. be more like a facilitator or just kind of help guide them through things or give them advice or you know more of a little bit smaller role in that sense um otherwise you know stuff like the toy companies and the movie studios or the rappers the guys who aren't as maybe creative or as know what to do with a shoe um then that's kind of my job to kind of hear what they're thinking. If they have any mm-hmm. thoughts, it's my job to present back to them what my thoughts are on what I think would be cool for this project. And then it's up to me then to actually design everything from that point um, and kind of come up with a concept and the color, like I said, colors, materials, graphics, all that stuff. Uh, do the packaging as well. Nice. Um, so yeah, start to finish is kind of my job to, come up with the, like I said, the concept and the design and finish it out and come up with all the textures and materials and colors and all that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's exciting, but it's also a a lot of work. And um, do you ever feel like going into it that there's a bigger project here than you could possibly handle? Or do you like that challenge? Um, I haven't felt that way yet. Um, I definitely, anytime I'm starting a new job, I get nervous, you know, just because I'm like, oh, can I do this job or not? Um, yeah. you know, it's something new and unknown. But once I get in there, um, and I felt the same way at Adidas and Reebok, once I got there, I was like, oh, am I going to be able to do all this or not? Um, and then I, you know, figure it out. Um, but I like the challenge. I mean, I like being able to do more than one thing. Um, I think I would get bored if I only was doing color, or only doing graphics. So it's nice right. for me that versatility to, uh, do more than one thing on a project, you know, and then you get to see the whole kind of concept to fruition from start to finish yourself, you know, or you and your team, um, yeah. that part's nice. So where, where do you, where do you pull in your inspiration? Um, I, you know, I'm trying to think of a project that makes sense, but I think Jurassic Park here, right. Going into something like that, are you watching the movies? Are you looking at comic books? Like how, where do you find your inspo for, for going into a project like this? Um, kind of all of the above, like definitely watching the movies. If there's comics, I'm reading some comics. Um, if there's the toy line, I'm looking at the toy line, which for Jurassic, I did all that. Um, if there's any kind of cartoons, um, then any kind of like 
uh, style guide or information from the movie studio on that mm-hmm. side when I worked with Universal Studios. Um, so they were super helpful to give me like a bunch of imagery and stuff like that. Um, Jurassic was definitely one of those ones that's a little bit easier because I've been a huge Jurassic Park fan since a kid anyway. That was like my favorite movie as a kid. I was really yeah. for so uh, that one was easy. Um, but I still did all the research on it. Like research is a big part of my process. So that's yeah. where the inspiration really comes from is just that research phase. Like, you know, going into a project, sometimes I might have an idea of what I would do, but a lot of times I might not have any idea what I'm going to do until I get to that research phase. And then that's, you know, by combing through everything, that's when the ideas start to kind of pop up along the way. And I just have mm-hmm. a little notebook and, or I'll text myself different ideas the whole time. Normally I text myself to my handwriting so bad <laughs> myself as I'm watching the movie, but I'll like, stop and pause the movie, you know, take a note and start playing it again or rewind it, whatever. Um, but yeah, I go through it pretty thoroughly. I love that. So what, how long is a project um, take you? Let's say again, let's just use Jurassic Park as an example. Um, there's an agreement between the two companies. We're going to do a sneaker project and, and, and you start. Is this something that takes you guys uh, a couple months, nine months, 12 months? So how long does it take you to get from you know, the start to, Hey, we've got the finalized design. We're going to hit, we're going to start making some samples of this. Um, well, probably easier just to break it down by phase, sure. kind of like, you know, go backwards, but design phase, we only have maybe a few weeks to a month at most to design stuff. So you don't get a lot okay. of, and that's a collection of like maybe eight to 10 shoes or something like that. And there's apparel mm-hmm. in there. I don't do the apparel, but that apparel is also part of that process. Um, so we'll work with that team and make sure our stuff is cohesive. Um, so that's like I said, a few weeks to a month and then you send off samples and then you have to tech pack in that time period as well. So you might have like a yeah. week to tech pack everything. Um, and then you send and, it off to the factory. Yeah. And for everyone who's not aware, what is a tech pack? Tech pack is basically when, you take your designs and then you get it's a technical package. So it's you're telling the factory what materials to use, what color to make those materials. Um, if there's a graphic on it where that graphic is placed, um, right. if it's a new shoe, you'd have like cross sections and possibly 3D parts and everything like that to kind of show how the shoe goes together. So you're explaining in as simplest form to the factory how to make a shoe, right? Um, uh, make the shoe it, that you want to make. Yeah, is it fair to say that's kind of like a blueprint to a house as far yeah, as yeah, yeah. yeah it's the same thing as a blueprint. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right, I'll let you continue on. <laughs> um, so you hand it off for sampling. Sampling can take like six to eight weeks um to get that in. And typically we get two rounds of samples in, maybe three if we're lucky, if we're on schedule or ahead of schedule, which you know mm-hmm. normally isn't the case. So you've got that times three there. And which and every time the samples come in, like we normally have like a few days, maybe sometimes it's the same day we would have to make revisions on samples and get it out the door just because timelines are so tight. So you have that and then you get the final sample in after like I said two, maybe three rounds. And every round of sampling you can change less and less because you're so up against you know time. the guy with time um yeah so at the end there so i mean by the time it actually hits the market you're probably like it's probably like a full year but a lot of that time is um just shipping like on a boat across the ocean you know yeah uh there's a lot of time with that i mean you can air freight it which is a little bit faster it's very expensive but there's a lot of just waiting time on that but like during that you're working on other projects you know yeah i feel that i would uh the soles for our sneaker, I'm pretty sure out of our cost, $36 is just to get it into North America because really? everything else is made in Philadelphia, but the uh-huh. sole was made in Korea. And it's just like, it's the majority of the cost right now because 
yeah. everyone's overpaying for shipping to get shoes delivered on time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel that. I feel that. Um, so when, when, you know, I think collabs are, you know, a big part of sneaker culture right, right now um, for all different types of brands. Um, for me, it's been my favorite, um, whether that's, you know, working with boutiques and, and other brands, or if it's worth like, you know, movie studios, Star Wars, whatever it might be. The reason I'm a big fan of it is just, it allows people to um, really share who they are on their feet without saying anything, right? Whether you're wearing a flaming Moe's Adidas or a Star Wars Adidas or Spider-Man Jordan one, which um, was probably harder to get than most Spider-Man fans would have liked, mm -hmm. but it, it allows you to share a little bit about yourself. And that's what my favorite part about the collaborations is. Um, what about you? I I'm curious for someone who's worked on so many, what have you enjoyed the most and, and, and why do you think it's uh, a part of these, a part of the sneaker industry? Um, I mean, I've just enjoyed being able to work on those projects, like those projects, like I mentioned earlier, like a dream come true for me. So to be able to be able to work with a movie studio or my favorite rapper is, is awesome. Um, so that's, that's my favorite part. Um, what was the second part of the question? Just um, for the industry as a whole, why do you think the, the Reeboks and the Adidas and the Nikes of the world looked for these collaborations on their ends? Um, I mean, it's just, it's for hype and it's for sales, you know, for some reason, everything's kind of gone towards a collab to where if it's not a collab, it doesn't sell anymore, which yeah. you know, kind of sucks. But yeah, um, I mean, that's the, that's the honest reason why they do it. Um, you know, it's, I'd like to say it's for the passion of it or because they really appreciate a brand and I'm sure that's the case sometimes, but I mean, it's to make money, you know, um, is why the brands do it so much. 100% fair. Sales drive everything. They drive the bottom line. If there's no sales, there's no company. So I, I totally get that. And I think um, it has been interesting, you know, the point you make. Um, I would love to see more love to the inline models in the space these days. They've kind of been cast aside because it's not a collaboration and you can potentially get it at any time. Um, yeah. But a good inline sneaker is there's something about just walking in somewhere, looking at it, being like, that's dope grabbing it, trying it on, walking out without any type of headache, but maybe that's just because I'm a, I'm a older sneakerhead and I like the peaceful times. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. It, uh, I miss being able to walk in and actually get something or just being on the hunt for something, being able to actually find it. I mean, now sneakers are impossible to get. Like, I don't even try to get any of the new releases anymore. It's too frustrating. Well, I'll have to talk to you about this amazing uh, company called Soul Savvy um, and get you a membership because that's literally, I mean, look, um, I 100% agree. It is frustrating and a pain in the ass. And that's kind of why we've been um, focusing on building technology and supporting people in that because no one should stop buying sneakers because it's frustrating. That's just not the culture thrives on people. And if people stop buying sneakers, then who the hell is going to buy them? But that's a whole nother conversation. We're here to talk about you and, uh, and your footwork career. Um, I did want to ask, have you like, I guess, how do you balance making, um, a shoe for not even sneakerheads, but for people to wear while uh, making something for the audience of, again, let's Jurassic Park, for, for example, right? How do you balance that line of like not being over the top, but like something people want to wear? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, depending on the size of the collection is how I kind of gauge that. So if it's mm -hmm. like a collection of like two shoes versus eight shoes, it's like with eight shoes, I can kind of do a little something for everybody where I can do something really wild and over the top. Um, that's more of a collector piece that you only want to wear for, 
you know, fashion week or a comic con or something like that, and then have some more wearable commercial stuff in there. So that's one approach right. I'll take. Uh, another approach I'll take. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the approach I took for Jurassic Park. Say another one for like uh, Ghostbusters, like the first drop that had the two shoes in it, the Ghost Smasher and then the classic leather. Um, yeah. The one that I tried to make um, to where they both were wearable but still had some cool factors to them. So like the ghost smasher, like the pump and everything that's on the back, that whole mechanism yeah. actually comes off the shoe. So you can wear it as like a more predominantly white shoe. So I might do something like that. That's more modular nice. is another way. And then the third way, which I'd say the ghost smasher kind of hits that too. I could say that ghostbusters pack kind of hits that too, where it's um, they're both clean enough that you could wear them um, as a non fan or mm-hmm. as a fan but they also have like nice little Easter eggs that are more hidden and a little smaller. Um, they kind of, you know, let the fans know that like, there's some, you know, authentic thought that's gone into that product. Yeah. And did you work on the, um, the exo fit clean ghostbusters or stranger things collab? Was that, yeah, I worked on it. Um, we didn't design it. So bait design, actually the kids actually designed it from um, stranger things. Like they drew on an actual shoe uh, and then bait nice. sent the shoe to us. And then we actually had a like, redo that whole thing on a shell pattern like we I, I didn't personally do it i oversaw the project but a girl that worked for me at the time um she had to like re-illustrate everything like to the t um like we photocopied some stuff i think or maybe took some photography and played with in photoshop but then she had to like actually hand draw it to make it look like the original stuff because you know that's, that's the only way to get it from a 3d physical shoe onto a, a shell pattern which is like a shell pattern is um basically the whole upper of her shoe laid flat. So that's where yeah. you can like, you know, do graphics and stuff like that. So we did that and took it into the computer and then had it printed onto a, a new shoe. Nice. Yeah. That was, um, that was one of my, my favorites. I didn't have the the ghost smasher, but um, this one, it was funny. Me and my wife, me and my wife both, uh, both picked this one up um, and stored in the collection, but it's like one of those shoes where I haven't had a reason to wear it. I just love looking at it. Like as mm-hmm. almost like a, as an art piece, but it hasn't hit my feet yet. We're gonna have to find a, a Halloween with the kiddo now that he's gonna be getting his first Halloween. Wear something on be a Ghostbuster um, one of these years. <laughs> yeah, you should. Um, so for you, what has been your favorite um, project to work on personally? Um, that's a hard one. Um, yeah. I'd say, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jurassic Park was a lot of fun. Uh, Power Rangers was a lot of fun because uh, <clears throat> we built the boxes to where if you bought all six shoes, you could build a like four foot tall Megazord. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Lot of fun. Um, I really liked the Piermos uh, Mobius, um, the Experiment 2s, or Experiment, Experiment 2 or 3. I don't remember which one it was. I think maybe Experiment 3. Um those were a lot of fun because I was in an entirely new upper. That was part of like the iconic Mobius line, like the big hurt, the Shacknosis, stuff like that, um, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But I think for me, it's more so I've, I'm more so remembering like just the process and the people I worked with. So like yep. for me, either Hasbro or Universal Studios is probably the most fun just as far as like working with them or like when I would work with um the movie studios, like we would get to go to the movie studio itself and actually look around the offices, go to the back lot and see nice. like, um, you know, all the stuff out there where they shoot movies and the touristy stuff. So like 
that to me is, was probably sticks out as the most fun project just because that, that part of it was, you know, different. Um, so with mm-hmm. that, we did that with like Jurassic Park. We went to London. Um, I can't think of the name of the studio offhand, um, but it's a really big studio in London um, that we got to go to and like look at props and stuff like that and look at sketches and renderings of the dinosaurs and things like that ahead of time. And got to he- like hear the whole script read to it. Well, actually, we read the script, got to meet the director. So stuff like that nice. kind of sticks out to me as like the most fun project just because of those things that we did, you know, versus the shoe itself, you know. Yeah, no, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely fair. Um, was there ever a time where you, where you had a, a concept or a design that the opposite side, um, the company or, or the creator you're working with was like, whoa, this is, this is too much. You took it too far um, just out of excitement. Cause I feel like personally going to some of these things I might get, I mean, obviously I'm not a forward designer, but I think my mind would run wild and I would maybe go over the top. I'm curious um, if you've ever had that experience um i haven't really had that too much with um collab partners i mean there's stuff that they didn't like you know that like that always happens um you know mm-hmm. when i was working on inline product um there's definitely times where things probably went that probably were too aggressive or too crazy um you know i can think of one there was a bandana shoe i did that um i tried to make a bandana like as authentic to the culture as possible and there are yeah. things i put in there that were a little too aggressive for uh the marketing person at the time yeah. So some of that, they end up keeping the bandana print as itself, but originally she was going to come with a bandana with it. So they scrapped the bandana, but then they put the bandana print like just on the sock liner. So you really couldn't see it, you know, when you're wearing it, it was on the tongue and like part of the outside of the shoe. Some of that got pulled back. Um, I'd say actually some of the craziest stuff I've done actually made it through. So like the Grinch uh, Insta Pump Fury, that made it through somehow, which I'm shocked. Um, <laughs> That's going to be rewarding. Were, you went yeah. for it and they approved it. Yeah, which I was really surprised. That's probably one of the wildest shoes I've done. And then um, I did one. Um, this is a City of Angels shoe, another Fury that had uh, cherubs flying all over. These like cartoon cherubs that were holding different things like that were related to LA. Like one was wearing like 3D glasses, one was like an ice cream cone. But that one was pretty out there. And then I'd say actually another Fury um was a vicious six for the minions the new minions movie that hasn't come out yet nice. it's asymmetrical and like every part of the shoe is something different different color different material different texture those are super crazy but that was, that was probably the craziest shoe i've ever designed but that one actually people loved and it sold out and universal loved it so i've had, I've had good luck with um getting crazy stuff through no i mean that's i mean that's what you want as a as a creative uh um, yeah push push the boundaries and, and then see it come to life do you do you keep everything? Do you have every sneaker you've ever worked on somewhere stashed? Um, no, I don't have everything. I have a lot of them. I keep the stuff that I think is cooler or the stuff that I, you know, really like. So like a lot of the inline stuff I don't have just because some, like, like other stuff that I've done that people don't know I've done. That's like monochromatic colorways or more basic stuff. I don't have that right. stuff just because it's, you know, it is what it is. Like it's, like it's a good looking shoe, but it's not something I'm necessarily excited about. So I don't have that stuff, but I have, I would say, probably 95% of my samples that are like actually the cool stuff I've done, like all the collab stuff. I have a sample of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few stuff towards the end of my time at Reebok that I don't have just because I wasn't there anymore. But other than that, I think I have like at least one foot. Most of them are one foot actually of um, samples. Oh, yeah? yeah. 
Nice. Okay, so I, I was going to say we're not going to see you out in the Minions uh, Instapump Furies? Um, no, and the samples are, well, I, you could I actually do have that shoe, but um, the samples are all size 9 as well. I'm a 13, so right. I think it fit them. So. Ah, you're a 13, the hardest size in the yep. sneaker space period right now. Um, yeah, it seems like it. Oh, Lord. Uh, I remember 2016 to 2018, size 13 was produced very very well and then they started to sit and go on sale and then it just flipped and, and now we're, no one can get 13s yeah it's crazy we gotta fix that we gotta fix that um so you've obviously worked with a ton of people um in your career and 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 you're uh, no longer at Reebok and you're exploring different paths what what would be your maybe dream or ideal next client or project like if you can make it come true and you'd start there Monday, what would you, what would you be working on? Um, I don't know if I'd say it's a, well, if it's a company, I would say it would actually be Jordan, which is, that's, I'm not just saying that cause I'm working there. That's actually true. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been a dream job of mine since I was a little kid. I grew up a Bearcat fan, a Cincinnati Bearcat fan, and they were the first team to wear Jordan uniform. So it's always been a goal of mine. Yeah. Um, so I'd be far as like where I'd want to work far as like what collab or something I'd want to work on. I would say uh, probably like Ninja Turtles, um, okay. I love turtles. So, um, I was trying, I was pushing that at Reebok and I didn't get it through, unfortunately, before I left, but, um, <clears throat> that would be a really cool one to work on. I would love to do a Ninja Turtle thing. I have a okay. big Ninja Turtle collection. So, um, uh, yeah, that would be a, a dream come true. I love it. All right. So here's the, for the, for anyone from Jordan on the special projects team listening, um, Ninja Turtles, what model are you picking for your Ninja Turtle collaboration? Well, I don't think it necessarily would make sense for Jordan. Um, I think it's more what? of a SB. Yeah, I, just, I don't. I don't. Oh, so you want to you want to go on a dunk? Okay, sure. I'll open yeah. the canvas for you. Anything yeah. with the Nike Incorporated? What 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 model or models are you doing your collaboration on? Um, I would say like a Nike Dunk or maybe a Foam Posit could be cool. Something okay. that you know makes more sense. But yeah, yeah, I don't see Turtles working on anything. I think it's got to be on a certain thing. But yeah, like an SB Dunk would be sweet. Yeah. Well, why, why did a, a phone posit come to mind just because of as, as a canvas? Yeah, I'm a big phone posit fan. That's probably my favorite line of shoes with the phone posits. And then just kind nice. of the molding and the weirdness of the shoe, I think it possibly worked for Ninja Turtles. The Ninja Turtles are kind of weird, you know, I can maybe that's see the going together. Yeah, possibly no, that's a, if you, you're right. Yeah, that's a great point. All right. Well, look, if there ends up being a Ninja Turtles collaboration coming out of Nike, we can say it started in this conversation right here. We sparked, we sparked it internally at the brand. Um, you know, I, I think one last thing I, I forgot to touch on as you were kind of talking through everything you, you were working on, but obviously you're adding details. Um, how, how do you go about that? You know, it's obviously pushing the limits and even looking at the Power Rangers as removable pieces from packaging to the shoes itself, that those extra details make a big difference. Um, I, I think, um, Justin Taylor, who we worked on our sneaker with, he, he, he called it simple innovation, you know, or even just surprise and delight. It seems like you've been trickling that into, into your designs. Um, how, yeah, how do you challenge yourself for, for something like that to continue to you know, push? Um, well, I'm a big fan of Easter eggs. So I try to incorporate little details like that through any shoe I do. Just, I think it makes it more fun for the consumer. Yeah. So that's kind of where I've started doing it. But then as I do it more and more and more, I try to come up with different ways to do it or new ways to do it, whether it's like hidden underneath the, the sock liner or like, you know, like there's the basic spots that you have, or I'll do something where like maybe, um, 
there's part of the shoe that's not stitched down and you lift it up and there's something hidden behind there where normally it would be stitched down. So I try to come up with new ways to do it. So I think between just trying to push myself and do something different every time, it makes me come up with new ideas and, you know, I've done a lot and there's been a lot done on footwear in general. So I think that's where mm-hmm. I kind of started spilling over to the packaging part of it to where I could come up with new ideas right. for, you know, Easter eggs and just cool things to do with packaging because I hadn't been done in packaging, whereas footwear so much had been done. So I'd say to answer your question, it kind of just comes from trying to outdo myself every single time and come up with new ideas. So it gets harder and harder the more you do it. Um, come up with those new ideas of how you can hide something or, yeah, you know, using visible ink or something like that, you know, um, on a shoe. Yeah, no, all, all, it's always a, a fun surprise to find something. I think just some of the recent shoes I bought and they were, um, the kind of like collab theme projects that were, uh, they were both Adidas. It was the home alone forums. Um, and I think it was an NMD R1 star Wars, um, I know I, there was extra extra insoles with different pictures, pins, and and just different things. It was nice to just add to the experience around the shoe because, I mean, as a as a collector personally, I have way too many shoes. So um, any extra I can get to excite myself is always fun. So it's great to see that you you add that to the project, whether it's details on the shoe or or um, the shoe box itself. It's always fun to be surprised with with Easter eggs. So I commend you for that. Um, yeah, you are embarking on a new chapter in your career. Um, I don't know how much you can talk about it at this point, but I will open the floor to you um, to kind of sign off and share anything you want or say anything you want to say um, before we wrap up about sneakers, footwear design, et cetera, et cetera. I'll, I'll leave it to you. Um, I would just say, uh, touch on our topic earlier, if you wear size 13, maybe stop buying shoes so then I can start buying them so I don't have to pay <laughs> over retail. <laughs> We're, we're going to have to get you the, the friends and family me- membership. We're going to have to take care of you, get you situated so you can see the, the good parts of uh, the sneaker industry because it, it is easy to um, get swept away in the madness of bots and resellers and feel like there's no hope. Yeah, it's why we, yeah. It's been a long well, time since I've been able to actually get anything for retail. Oh, all right. We're going we're gonna to wrap the podcast. I appreciate you um, for taking some time out of your day to chat with us and give people some insight into um, what it's like to, to create um, footwear collaborations with different brands, different creators um, from your experiences, obviously you've been in the industry for a while. Um, and we'll uh, hopefully do a follow-up with you once you've gotten your feet a little wet um, in your new digs. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks.